Welcome back to the sixth and final lesson in our study in Proverbs. In our class today, we'll look at the last five chapters of the Old Testament book collected mainly by Solomon. As we've mentioned before, nearly all of the book of Proverbs was collected by Solomon, with the exception of the last two chapters, which are attributed to Agur and Lemuel, respectively. We're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 32 that Solomon collected some 3,000 Proverbs that he spoke. We have but a fraction here in the book of Proverbs, perhaps 400 or so. They cover virtually every aspect of life, from work to play, from the tongue and the heart, the hands, the feet. He speaks of kings and slaves, of husbands and wives and children. He writes of the diligent worker and the sluggard. But throughout, we find that wisdom is laid beside folly over and over for us to see the advantage of wisdom. In today's class, we'll look at chapters 27 through 31. As you can see, we are looking at a variety of subjects that Solomon covers in everyday life that helps each of us. In chapter 27, we'll look at verse 17, iron sharpens iron. In chapter 28, he who flatters with his tongue, from verse 23. In chapter 29, verse 18 tells us where there is no vision. We'll talk of that. Chapter 30, for I do not understand, in verse 18. And finally, in chapter 31, we're going to look at an excellent wife. I hope you'll glean from these lessons the wisdom from above you'll need to guide your life. Now, let's get started today in Proverbs chapter 27. A Study in Proverbs, Day 27. Iron Sharpens Iron. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. A stone is heavy, and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind, a 
or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. Know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone, and the new growth appears, and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the land will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, and the, for the food of your household, and maintenance for your girls. Our proverb for the day is verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. There are times in history I would like to have been a fly on the wall, so to speak. Those times when great men and women were gathered together just to eavesdrop on the conversation. In biblical history, I would like to have listened when Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, met and spoke of their experiences. When the Queen of Sheba conversed with Solomon, or any conversation Jesus had in his ministry would be good for me. In secular history, there may be many to choose from, but I would be intrigued by C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien conversations. They belong to a rather prestigious authors club called The Inklings. They discussed and argued at length over many subjects and at the same time produced some of the most enduring works of fiction and apologetics. They were good for each other. In the early 1800s, German geologist and mineralogist Frederick Maas developed a scale of mineral hardness that is still in use today in general grading and is named after him. At the heart of this is the concept that we can compare the hardness of an object by its ability to be scratched. A stone or mineral can only be scratched by something of equal or greater hardness, something Solomon knew 3,000 years ago. Intellect of equal caliber are able to scratch or sharpen, as it were, one another. So it is with healthy relationships, when each feels the freedom to speak and to be heard as well as to listen and learn. That relationship thrives. One need not think that the two must always agree. In this, one learns to temper their attitude and listening skills. There is a cautionary note that we must be struck here with, in that it is wise to understand the direction the two are heading. For surely, one will lead the other, and that iron that sharpens would also dull if that companion is that of an unsavory moral character. If one is more easily led than the other, and the other is prone to unwise choices and character flaws, the results will likely be to a disadvantage. But we look on the positive here, for it seems that this is what Solomon is leading us to. Earlier in our walk through Proverbs, we looked at walking with the wise to become 
wiser. That proverb may very well be a companion verse to our proverb today. We might also consider another proverb from this chapter. Verse 9, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Perhaps it is a realization that we are meant to walk with others and not to think that wisdom resides and originates in ourselves. We might make note of New Testament passages like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Or in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5:11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. If I search for those which I may hold up as a light to illuminate this proverb from Scripture, I may find the likes of David and Jonathan. For I read in 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. I may look to Paul and to those to whom he surrounded himself. Read Romans 16, or the ends of many of his letters, and you get the idea of how dearly he held so many in his heart. There are times in my own quietness that I wonder if I take advantage of this ability to sharpen and be sharpened by others. Sadly, I have to admit that I don't do this nearly as much as I should or could. And I wonder, what keeps me from a close relationship with others? And Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. A study in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28. He who flatters with his tongue. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. A poor man who impresses the poor is a beating rain that leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will have a goodly inheritance. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. 
Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, That is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Our proverb for today is verse 23. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Many years ago, the comedian Groucho Marx replied to someone who complimented him about his talent. He said, flattery will get you everywhere with me. It is true that we all like to be complimented, even though it may cause us to blush. The problem arises when we stop blushing and begin to believe them. Here's one for preachers. You preached well, said a friend to John Bunyan one morning. You are too late, said Honest John. The devil told me that before I left the pulpit. There is an inherent danger in praise. Consider what Solomon has said on the subject. In chapter 27 and verse 21, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. Chapter 29 and verse 5, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Chapter 27, verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a curse. How does one know the difference between a praise and a compliment and the praise of a flatterer? The difference is what is at the heart of it. Usually, flattery is seeking a favor or lulling the recipient into a trap. The flatterer can usually count on the vanity of the person to overlook the dangers. That being said, we shouldn't always think there is an ulterior motive behind a compliment. But it pays to be humble in receiving them. The other side of this proverb is that of the rebuke. Unlike the compliment, you don't often find a person who enjoys being rebuked. Unlike the rebuke, you seldom hear the person say, Hey, thanks for the rebuke. That was nice. Let's do it again. It's far more likely that you feel that stinging that accompanies rebuke is like a punch in the gut. In all likelihood, we may feel we didn't deserve it. But Solomon says that a rebuke is better for us than the flattering tongue. I gotta tell you, it sure doesn't feel that way at the time. 
but time and experience do a lot to tell us that we probably deserved it, at least in the eyes of the rebuker. Notice how I left room for my own innocence. Maybe I'm not as far along as I should be when it comes to receiving correction. Here's some more verses on the rebuke I ought to heed. In chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Jesus said in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. I just need to remember that it's always with the end game in mind of what I'm going to learn from the rebuke and always trying to gain wisdom. But I still wonder why I continue to struggle getting rebukes. Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. A study in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29, where there is no vision. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. By justice a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Scoffers set a city, set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. Bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. The wise man quietly holds it back. If a ruler listens to falsehood, all his officials will be wicked. The poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. By mere words a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands, he will not respond. You see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Whoever pampers his servant from childhood will in the end find him his heir. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The partner of a thief hates his own life. He hears the curse, 
but discloses nothing. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. Our proverb for the day is verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Do you know why people want to travel to Germany to drive on the Autobahn? Well, let me tell you. Generally, it's not because of the scenery. It's because they have been told there is no speed limit law. You're free to drive as fast as you want. That's what appeals to people. You know they have tried without success to pass laws to slow people down. Why do they want to do that? Too many reckless drivers. That's right. When there are no laws governing speed, people become reckless. Well, not to burst your bubble, but there really are speed limits on some portions due to curves and other conditions. There are actually places in the world today that have no laws. Lawless places. But you might want to do some research before you pack your bags to move to a place with no laws. Remember, no laws, no police, no courts to protect you. The country of Libya descended into lawlessness during the Arab Spring beginning in 2010. Somalia is another country. There is a region between Afghanistan and Pakistan known as Fatah. It is a lawless region. You know who's attracted to these places? People seeking lower taxes? Nope. Vacationers? <laughs> Not on your life. Those attracted are terrorists, murderers, and criminals. That's who loves lawless havens. Well, what on earth does this have to do with our proverb today? Well, it turns out, plenty. Here are some renderings of this verse and other translations. The New American Standard Version reads, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. The Holman Christian Standard Bible reads, Without revelation, people run wild, but one who listens to instruction will be happy. The New International Revised Version reads, Where there is no message from God, the people don't control themselves, but blessed are those who obey the law. The Hebrew word for cast off restraint, unrestrained, don't control themselves, and run wild in these various translations is the word para. It is interesting that this same word is used when Moses was on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments while the people were down below casting an idol. Here's what Moses observed in Exodus 32:25, And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, they turned to idols and lost all restraint. Verse 6 tells us, And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. What a lawless situation. We have seen examples of nations that have sunk into lawlessness and the conditions it produced. We have actually witnessed this recently in our own country when crowds of people stand in opposition to the law and those who enforce it, and the devastation that it wrought. The same is true for people who profess to hold to God's laws and guidance when they either suddenly or gradually 
turn their backs on that nurturing and guiding word. The prophet Hosea gives insight into what happens to people of God who turn their back on his word. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 reads, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Paul gives a sobering commentary on those who became wise in their own eyes in Romans chapter 1. We begin reading in verses 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their own thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. If you want to see what happened to them, Continue reading in that chapter. Does turning our back on God's Word, either as a nation, a church, or individually, does it really seem that wise to you? And Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. A study in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. Four things I do not understand. The words of Agur, son of Jacob. The oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I a knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you, and you be held guilty. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. Under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. 
a slave when he becomes king, and a fool when he is filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Three things are stately in their tread, four are stately in their stride. The lion, which is mightiest among beasts, and does not turn back before any. The strutting rooster, the he-goat, and a king whose army is with him. If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Our proverb for the day, verses 18 through 20. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. Do you like riddles? Here's one for you. The man who built it doesn't want it. The man who bought it doesn't need it. The man who needs it doesn't know it. What is it? If you're like me, you're scratching your head wondering what this is. But I suspect you know it already. No? Here's the answer. A coffin. Such is the nature of a riddle. Once you've heard the answer, you say, I get it. At first glance, our proverb for the day may seem as though it is just an admittance of things that amaze our author, identified as Agur, son of Jekka, in verse 1. But step back, just like we did in verse 16, and look at the whole picture. Just like the riddle, I had no idea when it was, until it was revealed to me. I read this proverb for years without an understanding. Then one day, a wise man revealed what was right in front of me all those years. What do they have in common? The eagle, the serpent, the ship, and the man. If you don't know now, when I tell you this proverb, it will forever be changed, and never again will it be a mystery. Well, here it is. No, wait. One more little bit of information. Verse 20 further helps us understand it. Okay, enough suspense. These four leave no trace or path from where they have been. Not the eagle in the trackless sky, or the serpent on the hard rock, or the ship rolling on the sea. But the fourth seems puzzling. A man with a maid. He, too, will leave no trace that the casual observer can see. But verse 20 ties these together in what appears to be an afterthought to the preceding verses. The adulterous woman thinks that by wiping her mouth symbolically, she declares there's no trace of her sin. Go back to this proverb in Proverbs 9, verse 17, chapter 9 and verse 17. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. 
the woman folly so seductively calls to the passerby. Who can know about the stolen water or the secret bread? But there is an all-seeing eye of God who reckons every deed. We may think our deeds are done in secret and in our what some call victimless crimes or sins, but we do pay a toll in our heart that in time can become callous to that deed. That thing he called too wonderful might be better rendered here mysterious or hard as it is in other places. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11 we read, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. In Genesis 18, 14, God says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you think one day you'll go back over these Proverbs and search them once again and uncover the mysterious aspects you don't yet understand? I hope so. Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. study in Proverbs, chapter 31, An Excellent Wife. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Our final installment is The Excellent Wife. Who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. It is astonishing sometimes to observe a mother's sway over her son, even after he has grown up and left the house. When he returns for a visit and is given an order, he will follow it like he was a little boy once again. Even in the realm of her teachings, he will reflect back on her words long after she has passed on from this life. Such is the influence of a mother. Chapter 31 is a single chapter attributed to King Lemuel. Who is he? Well, that information is lost to the annals of history. Nearly every commentary will speculate as to his identity. Whoever he may have been, he has rung the bells of wisdom throughout history and lauded the roles of mothers and wives. Yet, notice these are not his words, but the words his mother taught him. This is consistent with what Solomon taught earlier in this book. In chapter 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. In Proverbs 6, verse 20, we read, My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Perhaps you are familiar with the adage, The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well, here's your proof. A king swayed by his mother's teaching. She taught him about a life of temperance and self-control, and to be cautious of being swayed by the allurement of women. She taught him about standing up for the rights of those most vulnerable and judging righteously. To top this off, he leaves us a poem in classic Hebrew style using the acrostic to celebrate the excellent wife. Through the ages, this 22-verse poem has been the inspiration and standard by which women and men the world over have sought to achieve and to attain. I personally have taught this to girls and boys, young and old, believers and non-believers over the years. Betty Friedan sought to sway the whole world of womanhood with her 1963 book, The Feminine Mystique. But her efforts paled when compared to the real power of a woman a wife and a mother, as portrayed and taught by Lemuel's mother. What Ferdan sought for women to have had already been proven 3,000 years before. Every line of this poem lauds the success of this remarkable creation of God. Search the passage for what the woman cannot do, and you'll be long at it. What wealth, what treasure, what riches can a man search for that are not found in his own home? All that he has has been entrusted to her. How is it that the husband is known in the gates, in verse 23? You think he achieved this apart from his wife? Think again. Look at the text. I've read from time to time articles that sought to put a dollar value on what a mother would earn for all her talents. Talents like academic advisor, accountant, athletic director, coach, dietitian, event planner, groundskeeper, janitor, judge, magistrate, laundry manager, maintenance supervisor, photographer, plumber, psychologist, nurse, tailor, social media specialist, just to name a few. Thanks to salary.com for giving me that list. 
If paid what she was worth for all these roles, her income would be in the neighborhood of $178,000 a year. Take a look at those modern roles listed and then look at Proverbs 31 in those 22 verses. On top of all this, she is a merchant and businesswoman outside the home, verses 16 and verse 24. She reaches out to the poor and provides for them in verse 20. One might think she's worn out and grumpy, but notice she teaches wisdom and kindness is on her tongue. Nothing resentful here. Imagine that after all that she has accomplished, if her family was unappreciative, but they are not. She is indeed appreciated by children and husband. And oh yes, she fears the Lord. Her husband won't be the only one known in the gates. Can you think of a more honored profession? Have we given her the honor she is due? I hope that this 31-day study has been profitable for you. I know it has been for me. And Lord willing, we'll meet again on another day and another study. There you have it, the final five chapters from Solomon's book of Proverbs from the Old Testament. In these six lessons that we have presented, it's our hope and prayer that they prove to be useful by not only examining the individual proverb, but also simply in hearing each word of each verse as we have read the chapters in their entirety. I hope you'll agree that there is much more than one can hope to cover in the context of one class. Perhaps you'll take the time to pursue these on your own. And Lord willing, we hope that this has been a blessing to you. And thank you very much for joining us.